0: Okay, hello and welcome to this week's Tez News Podcast. Uh, I'm Martin George. I'm joined by Kate Parker in the studio. Hi Hello. Kate. And John Roberts uh, remotely from up in Yorkshire. Hi John. Hello <laughs> Hi. So it's quite a serious podcast this week. Um, we'll be talking to John about a, a major commission that's been looking at the school accountability system and talking to Kate about a pretty horrific story actually. Um, two mums who's primary school children were raped and their concerns about how w- what followed from that. Um, John, if we start with you first, um, let's have a chat about this. So there's a big commission from the National Association of Head Teachers, I think, and they've been trying to look at this broad area of how are schools in England held to account, what works, what doesn't, what should change. Do you want to talk us through, like, like what's the... If we Picture you got from that uh, that commission?
1: Yeah. So as you say, they, they kind of try to do a big piece of work looking at school accountability overall. I think you can probably boil that down to three things: offset inspection, performance measures, and league tables. Um, and it's it tries to be a constructive report. It's definitely a, a profession trying to kind of have its say on what the way forward is. But the the actual conclusions are pretty damning, and the overall way we've sort of reported it is that they're saying that this accountability system that we have in england does more harm than good so ofsted and the work it creates and the fear it creates and the consequences of reports and league tables and and performance targets are basically having a negative impact overall and the way they kind of describe it in the report is that they say for a system to work well you need good people in the right places doing the right things and what we have now fails on all three fronts in as much as It's driving teachers out of the profession either as as a direct consequence of a a negative Ofsted or, or, you know, going below floor targets or or people are leaving because of workload. And then it also raises the fear that because the system is so data-driven, there's nothing to incentivise people to work in the most challenging schools. So becoming ahead in an area where you're going to find it harder to hold on to good and harder to get to, to floor targets is just a very, very big risk for a, a school leader. Um, so they're saying that the system needs to not discourage people from sort of working where they're most needed. And it also talks a little bit about um, how the system incentivizes selfish behaviours from schools, basically schools making decisions that are in, their, in the interest of their data but not necessarily their pupils. Now, I think a lot of this will sound familiar to, to heads and teachers. It's It's been a kind of the direction of the debate for, for years now. But I think the commission and the way it's written it's quite a constructive report, and it's quite it represents quite a broad spectrum of views. But I think it makes that that conclusion all the more damning, really. You know, it's not a it's not a political report; it's not something that's pointing the finger at anyone or going after anyone. But it does draw a very kind of stark conclusion that that things that are supposed to be there to ensure the system works are actually having a negative effect.
0: Well, if you talk a bit more about, I know. Last week, Ofsted got it in the neck from the um, Public Accounts Committee. This week, lots of concerns from, uh, about Ofsted from the uh, Commission. Actually, it's worth saying, Nick Brook, who I think chaired the Commission, he's a, he used to be a senior figure at Ofsted himself. So, again, people who talk from knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, is Ofsted the main concern here that the, the Commission has?
1: I think it's it's... One of two, it's it's Ofsted and data and and the relationship between the two really yeah. and the consequences of all of that. Um, the criticisms of Ofsted are very similar to those in the Public Accounts Committee uh, report, which is basically that at present Ofsted has one or two days to go into a school, and the big question marks about how how reliable its judgments are and how much real insight it provides beyond the data. Um, that that's the big question hanging over Ofsted on the back of the PAC report and the commission echoes that as well and says that the um, the reports aren't they're not satisfied that the reports are reliable and that effectively Ofsted's budget has been cut and it's been asked to do more than it can and it basically says we need to step back and say how much are we either going to give Ofsted a lot more money or do we have to be a bit more realistic about what we expect from them but at the same time it does um, recognise the importance of Ofsted it's not suggesting that the inspectorate be done away with it, it says they. Ofsted are the people who should be identifying underperformance. It also says that it doesn't think any school should be exempt from inspection. Mm. So at the moment, outstanding schools are exempt from routine inspection. So it's not really talking about a radical change to Ofsted, I don't think. But it it is nevertheless describing a system that that isn't working for school leaders and questioning the validity, I think, of of what Ofsted does. It's a bit of a contradiction
0: in there, really. Well, I think that the, the contradiction I, I saw there, I mean, similar to what you said, but um, so they say on, on the one hand, yeah, we're concerned Ofsted reports might not be as reliable as they should be. On the other hand, we don't like data, so we'd actually like to use Ofsted reports to trigger intervention if it requires improvement school rather yeah, than the coasting yeah. measure. And again we're saying Ofsted's not necessarily reliable but we want them to inspect you know outstanding schools.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the recommendations that might address that is that they've asked Ofsted to commission research into what is needed to make their reports reliable um, but that's that might be saying well we need Ofsted spending more time in schools where there are concerned and that I think might feel to some head teachers like ramping up accountability pressure not not um not watering it down so it's I, one thing that struck me in the report is that it's it's quite a, a, a kind of damning conclusion around Ofsted, but at the same time, it does seem to recognise that much of what Ofsted does is needed. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how, w- what follows this. Another thing they've said about Ofsted is that uh, Nick Brook himself has said that they should put their work on the new framework on hold because that they're, they're attempting too radical a change in too short a space of time and that they'd like Ofsted to kind of take into account the things that the commission recommends. So again, Ofsted, it'll be interesting to see how Ofsted responds
0: to that and what follows. There's a bit of a pincer movement there, because we know that behind the scenes, the DFE have got concerns that this new framework coming in next year could increase workload. Now, yeah. a commission oh, yeah. from one of the unions are saying the same thing. I wonder if yeah, that will actually change anything. Yeah. And,
1: yeah, and yeah, I think what Ofsted would say is that our new framework is trying to address the exact concerns that the NAHT have identified, that the system's too driven by data that it rewards exam factory schools and this sort of thing and we want to we're trying to make it a a better recognition of the breadth of a school's curriculum. I think for for headteachers teachers though they've probably seen over decades kind of well intentioned performance measures have knock-on effects and unintended consequences and I think they kind of fear that a major re-overhaul of the the Ofsted framework in a short space of time might just create loads of extra workload as school's trying to get to grips with what it is that they're supposed to produce and how often they're judging it.
0: Sure. Any sort of straws in the wind or thoughts on, do you think this will actually change anything? Because I know the DfE's already changed accountability or announced changes.
1: Yeah, I think in a sense, as you say, there is already a change. Damien Hines at the NAHT conference talked about that he trusted teachers and he wanted to ease the the accountability burden and simplify the system. So in a way, I think this report has come along at the right time. Because I think the department, for whatever reason, I know there's some suggestion that they think this is driven by the teacher recruitment and retention crisis and that the government is basically having to make steps to make being a teacher more sustainable. It's no good having a system that drives improvement if it also drives teachers out. Um, So maybe it's come along at the right time in, in terms of that. Whether there'll be a step change where accountability goes and seen as a wholly supportive thing, I can't ever imagine that. I think... I think, result, politicians will always want to be seen to be on top of driving standards in schools, and I think there's a risk, I think from a political point of view, if you basically said we trust the profession to get on with it, even though that's what teachers will tell you is needed, I think politically, it, you leave yourself open to, to the accusation that you've gone soft on standards.
0: Absolutely, and then with all your parents saying they want they want that reassurance that their kids are going to a good school and Well, absolutely. And yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, John, thanks so much for that. Lots to, to look out for. Um, Kate, should we talk about. Um, I mean, a, horrific, really. Yeah. Um, so, this is two mothers who have got in contact with us because they've had real concerns after their children had some horrific experiences at primary school. And, what well, you want to talk us through um, what they've said and, and what their concerns
2: are? So, today, actually, um is, well, I guess, so two years ago today, um, the Women's and Equality Select Committee published a report which kind of exposed the horrific amount of abuse and harassment that goes on in primary schools and in secondary schools. Um, the, the mo- these mothers are basically saying they both have had experiences of their daughters being raped and abused, um, by classmates, and they're saying... that this is that
0: at primary school level? So and
2: Yeah, so um, one primary school, one secondary school. So, um, and they're both saying, look, this report was published two years ago, and uh, these horrific things are still ongoing, and they ex- they're obviously completely distraught and um, express their complete despair about the fact that they feel that the DfE and Ofsted aren't doing enough to tackle this horrific violence that is going on. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a stark read. It is, it's so important. Mm. Um, but they, for example, they cite figures um, from the police which say that one child is raped in a school every single school day in the UK. Um, and in primary schools alone, three sexual assaults are reported to the police every school day. So, I mean... kind of speaks for itself. It brings it home really doesn't it? Yeah it does and obviously I think it's so hard because they're saying when the abuse is done by a child under 10 that child is not legally because obviously over an age of 10 that's when you become legally responsible for your actions. so there's only so much that can be done but they're really I think they really struggle with the fact that they feel like their children have had absolutely no support and no counselling following these horrific events. So, for example, one line in the piece which I just, just like, really brought home for me, um, they say, "When your child is raped by another child, little or no support is available. Social services offer nothing. The waiting lists um, for support from charities are hugely long." After your daughter is scraped out for evidence and photographed for injuries, she's interviewed by the police, turfed back out, and told there is a six to eighteen month waiting list for counselling. It's a bit like somebody being in a major road traffic accident, being taken to hospital, and then being told there's no aftercare. You just have to go home and do the best you can.
0: I mean, it's pretty. It's a tough read, isn't it? it and it, it it brings home you, know, you know, these are people who had. First-hand experience, you know, it, it, it's not an academic thing. It, it's, no. it's real, and it's
2: and obviously, I'm. You know, this has been going on for, for these two cases. You know, for a number of years, they've been trying to push the D V and push Ofsted and say to them, this is a problem, and we need something needs to be done. And they say you know it, it's so hard to campaign something it's really hard to campaign about when your daughter is the victim because obviously you want to protect her so you're never going to really, really reveal her name your name by identifying yourself you're identifying her so they yep. say um let's put it this way if our daughter's anonymity wasn't an issue we would have long since changed ourselves to the gates of Westminster and screamed for someone to take this issue seriously So it is, and I think it's so disturbing when this is just two cases and two mothers. Actually, if you look at the police figures, clearly this is something that is affecting children, our children, every single day. And if teachers aren't trained properly um, in how to deal with this and the children aren't getting the care they need afterwards and, you know, the abusers aren't being removed... So they say that their they say that their children um, were put back in the same classroom as their um, alleged abusers. So th- clearly, that is so distressing for a child, especially a child at prime age who doesn't really understand what's going on, mm. and it, it's so hard to process those sorts of emotions for anybody, let alone a child under ten. Um, so I just, the whole thing is really, really, really distressing, yeah. and clearly these mothers. <laughs> have decided that actually the way to try and make the DOV and make Ofsted listen is by publishing it on um, our website and hopefully getting a lot of discussion going and raising people's awareness. I mean, I think in the TES newsroom, we've all been really moved and really shocked by this story today.
0: I I think one thing that really, again, struck home for me was when they were writing about um, their children, the victims, could then come in contact with their Attackers, And then, I mean, a line they wrote here is um, the advice they'll get from you know, Childline, NSPCC, Bernardo's, because of this age of criminal responsibility, yeah. is take your child far away if you want to protect them from any future contact with their rapist. And, and the, the idea is that, you know, a child raped by another child in primary school, there's no protection about going to the same secondary school as them. Seen them on the school bus. Yeah, even, all these kind of things that they, they feel that there's there's nothing in place to. There's a big hole in the system. Yeah,
2: here. and it's even things like I mean, you know how primary schools are. There's so much collaboration between schools these days. So, um, you know, I mean, like for example, when I was at school, there were six primary schools in the area, and we all went to the after so- the same after school um, school club. Mm. So it's things like that that actually they could come in contact with their alleged abuser, and that that is just so horrific for somebody to. You know t- to even have to deal with and I think you know they say well why why is it that you know they're being put in the same classroom why should you have to take your child away because your child's the victim if somebody even a child under 10 you know if they're acting that way surely shouldn't they be the ones removed from the situation why why do you your child's already gone through so much and mm-hmm. then you're going to yank them out of school and, and put them somewhere else or you know it, it just seems like there's just no There's just no support for them. There's no understanding. It just seems like when you just completely ridiculous. How how is this? How is it like this? How has this happened? I just.
0: I mean, one thing the the two mums do say is that um, there was some legal action against the DFE over some of these issues, and that seemed to force the DFE to make some changes. And it's a point that um, uh, Nadeem Zahawi, the, the minister responsible, makes yeah. you know, when we when we talk to Dfe about these concerns
2: Yeah, so um they gave this comment yesterday so they say you know from September um, all schools and colleges must follow guidance this is the new safeguarding guidance that came as a result of that legal action yep. um, which includes how to support young victims of peer on peer abuse um, including at prime school level also I'd just like to say the term peer on peer abuse the mums again raised the point of you know, they they use that sort of language, but actually for them, it's not peer-on-peer abuse; it is rape. So call it rape. Um,
0: I was going to say that there's a bit here where we almost use the term peer-on-peer abuse because it helps shelter people. Yeah. like doesn't actually think yeah, about what it actually it's is. It's a really
2: hard thing to talk about. It's a really hard thing to even comprehend. I think for, for all of us that this could happen, but actually, you need to be frank and honest and say you know actually this is rape so let's let's call it what it is um but the dv goes on to say our, gu- our guidance is clear that schools and colleges is, should separate victims and alleged perpetrators in case cases of allegations of rape um it's also clear that schools and colleges should be prepared to put in long-term support for the victims the needs of the victims should come first um, and disruptions that education should be kept to a minimum so obviously you know they're saying that they're taking all the right steps and things like that, but clearly, in the case of these two mothers, um, enough has not been done to support their children or to protect their children.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, John, Kate, thanks very much for taking part. Thank you Thank for listening, you. and um, we'll see you all. Uh, see you all again next week.